Hey, I'm Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren, and Leo, welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 256. This time around, you are joined by writer, director, producer, president, and founder of Paper Street Pictures, Aaron B. Kuntz. We catch up with Aaron to see what he's up to next, and it involves sharks and Alicia Silverstone. A look back on his success with the outstanding Scare Package and his witches versus cowboys flick, The Pale Door. Got some recent horror recommendations, and if you're an aspiring filmmaker, some phenomenal insight into the process of making your genre dreams a reality. Going through Aaron's journey as a student at Full Sail University alongside Adam Wingard, E.L. Katz, and alumnus Darren Lynn Bowsman, among many others, and hear about the helping hand Aaron has extended to horror filmmakers with the Blood Oath Collective. Making scary movies less scary to make. Episode 256 with Aaron B. Kuntz starts now. This way, to the brothel. Gentlemen, please, make yourselves at home. (laughs) I understand there was a reward. Of course. A handsome sum for these handsome men. Don't be afraid. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is a returning guest to the show, a former Universal Studios producer who became an award-winning filmmaker. He executive produced the phenomenal Starry Eyes that was instrumental in changing the face of indie horror. Through his own Paper Street Pictures, he's crafted several short films that have toured festivals all over the world to great acclaim. He wrote and directed the feature Camera Obscura for Universal in 2017. In 2020, he brought us the horror anthology Scare Package, quickly becoming an absolute smash, first finding a home on Shudder after its Sitka's premiere that same year. He follows it up with a gleefully insane The Pale Door, pitting cowboys against witches in an inspired and unique practical effects-laden love letter to the genre. He uses his vast experience and inventive techniques to help raise the voices of other filmmakers as well. It's all a part of what makes him one of the most influential creators in the film community. We are honored to be joined once again by Mr. Aaron B. Kuntz. Yeah! Yeah! I swear that you, there is no one better at intros. Like it's official. I, I say this every time, and I'm like, I even expected it this time. Like she's good at this, and I'm just still not ready. I'm just still never ready. I feel like a million bucks. Hey, man, Thanks. that's well, that's yeah. that's great to hear. If we could just be that little jolt of inspiration, because you've inspired us so much with your amazing yes. work, and I love the T-shirt, by the way. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Incredible. Awesome. Think about it. <laughs> so yeah. again, thank you so much for taking the time to hang with us. We wanted to catch up, see how you're doing, and and just starting off, it's been a truly incredible time to be a horror fan, especially as we head into spooky season. But even just leading up, man, this past year, as far as releases go, has been 
unprecedented. I, I don't think I've seen this much activity in the horror community. What have some of the films been coming out that you've that just kind of blown you away? Oh, man, man, man. So I would say on two opposite ends of the spectrum, one was Hunter Hunter. Oh, oh like, so good. Hunter yes. Hunter destroyed me. And I knew, I knew it was like, I'd heard it was good. And it was just, what was interesting is normally I would go, uh, this will sound so elitist for a second. I apologize, but like I'll be on the film, film festival market, you know, and you'll see all these movies ahead of time or I'll get, you know, cuts of things, but because of COVID, you know, we didn't have that opportunity to do that. So I was kind of experiencing all these movies for the first time with so many other people and Hunter Hunter, just like, you know, I'm watching this and I'm feeling it. And I thought Devin Sawa is really good. Like this is really working. They brought back Nick Stahl. And then, like, all of a sudden, it was like Camille Sullivan just blew me away at the end of that movie. Like, the whole movie she did. But the end of that movie, I will talk about forever. Like, I just think it, it's the best needle drop I've heard in the film in so long. Just completely destroyed me. And then on the other side of that, I thought uh, Stephen Kostansky's Psycho Gorman was just like so <laughs> made yes. out of my heart, you know? And I'm like, Steve, like, and I told him, like, you just, you just pulled something out of my youth and created it. And, I, and the worst part about it is I just wish I had made it. That's it. So that's all I wish is that I could have made that. Movie. That's the greatest so, compliment so though, perfect. right? Oh my God. Yeah. I've been, yeah. I've been having a blast watching all the different creations who have, that have spawned off his universe as far as like the toys and the merchandise and all these cool ideas that they're coming up with to support the psycho Gorman universe. I can't wait to see a return to that universe. And I hope he does that. And I can't wait to see what he does with the day of the dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's he's so talented. It's just the person who knows with his makeup effects background, like he knows how to utilize the gags in such a clever way. And then he's just got so much heart and affection for the genre. So I think it just comes out in the things that he does. So, yeah, no, I look up. I've looked up to him for a while. And yeah, I think they just announced today that he's doing, uh, you know, a comic book for that as well. So for for Psycho Gorman. So, I mean, it's completely, totally rad. Yeah, he's the best. As we head into Halloween season, what does Halloween typically look like for you? What are you doing? Do you like, is there immersive horror experiences and haunts that you typically do or do you lay low? What, what's your deal? It's, um, I mean, honestly, I, I'm usually disappointed because I, I don't have the opportunity to do the things I wish I could do. I really have things going on. So like even this year, we have a movie that I'm producing that we're going to be shooting. And I'm like, how do we make sure the day off is Halloween right. <laughs> so that we can yeah. do something with it? Right. You know, um, but we do, I mean, last year we were on set for the Requin during Halloween. It's a shark movie with Alicia Silverstone and that's coming out, you know, later this year. And, uh, you know, so we had some people dress up on set and some things like that, but I, I miss the, the old days of like, I would go, you know, I want to go to Halloween Horror Nights again. It's been so long since I've been there. So I, I worked on Halloween Horror Nights many, many, many years ago. Oh, cool. I did a couple commercials for them. Yeah, I did some like promo stuff. It was like some of the first things I ever directed. No way. Was back in that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just living in the Orlando area during that time. And it just kind of was a transition for me. So I just going back there would be really, really cool. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just want to get dressed up with my friends and get drunk. I, mean, I really would love to do that at some point. There is no, I will say when it comes to movies, though, there's no spooky season for me. That's just all year round. Yes, so exactly. Yeah, I'm watching horror films constantly. What I love is seeing new people want to watch them. Like, that's what excites me is getting people who are like, oh, now I'm in the mood. And it's like, let's, um, you know, I'll come on podcasts. I'll come on things. I'll curate lists for people. And it's like, what do I need to watch this Halloween? And I'm like, Perfect. Like, I got a list for you. Like, what are the things you like? What are you looking for? How do you want to feel? 
and I love recommending horror films to folks and that's just the fun part part of the process. So yeah, I mean, look, it's the best it's the best time every year. It's also film festival time. There's a lot of really cool film festivals, you know, not coincidentally, I'm sure, in the genre space are going on around Halloween. So I always go to Telluride Horror each year, which is like mid mid October, and that's just you know they're, you know the best. And and so there's there's things like that that we try to do. But I wish I wish I could take time off. And just like, you know, go to haunted houses and go to Halloween Horror Nights and have all these parties and stuff. But yeah. uh, do you have like a Halloween tradition, like something that you do traditionally every year? Like every year we watch Trick or Treat, like it just gets me into the season. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I actually have some for other holidays. It's 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 just because Halloween, again, it's like a year round thing for me. So I don't know that there's. It's uh, whatever I'm, I can actually talk people into watching is usually what I'm down for <laughs> right? at those times. Whereas if it's 4th of July, I have like weird ones like Rocky Four. I watch every 4th of July, you know, or Jaws, right? And that kind of stuff. So like I have those things for that, but that's because it's not as ingrained. Whereas people come to me, they're like, oh, it's spooky season. It's Halloween. I'm going to talk to Aaron. What can you recommend? And I'm like, oh, you haven't seen that? I'm down. Let's watch this. Like, you know, so I kind of try to, I, I want it to be this, this season of like bringing in people. Yeah. To discovery. Yeah. Yeah. Beyond that, that month, you know, that's like, let's keep it going, you know, let's keep it going after that and find a way to, to create some lifelong, you know, not just month long horror fans. Sure. So yeah, cool. dude, I'm down for that. So yeah. Yeah. We, we're coming up. Well, really we just passed the one year anniversary of the pale door being released on, on shutter and VOD and everything with both that and scare package. You really rose uh, almost what became a spark of hope out of the pandemic for indie filmmakers during uh, this unbelievable time. What sort of activity did you find that that churned up for, for Paper Street? I mean, well, I mean, that's just the kind of thing to hear anyone say. Like, all, all we want to do is make movies and hope that somebody out there connects with them in any way. So if it's you know, somebody that I don't know had a little moment of inspiration for something we created. I think that's the best feeling in the world. And I get, you know, butterflies just thinking about it. I mean, uh, but I, I will say what kind of happened there was with those two films in particular, were these were projects that, you know, we made with Scare Package, we made for like no money. And then for The Pale Door, we made for quite literally a third of what everybody said we had to make it for. So once we accomplished those and they did well, I think a lot of folks realize like, oh, Aaron and Picture Pictures and, and my team and my partners can actually do what they say they're going to do. So we started getting a lot of other offers. And so at the time, I, I haven't done anything on the directing side, but and I've been kind of waiting. I'm actually, actually am about to direct in two weeks. I can't say what for just yet, but uh, I'm here in Oklahoma City getting ready to be on set for that. And uh, but yeah, we just started producing for other folks. So you know, we got uh, a movie called Old Man with uh, Stephen Lang that Lucky McKee directed off the ground. That's now finished. They'll, we'll start uh, showing that in 2022. And then we have, like I mentioned, The Requin uh, by Kiat Levan had, had done. And that's coming out next year. And, uh, you know, we have Revealer, which was Luke Boyce directed. That's uh, from the comic, comic artists uh, and writers, uh, Tim Seeley and, and Michael Moresi. Uh, goodness, we just have we have a number of projects. Snow Valley, that's you know Brandon Murphy wrote and directed. It's got Barbara Crampton, number of folks in. Uh, there's just and then we got Shelby Oaks that we've announced that we've been shooting some pieces of that Chris Stuckman from YouTube is doing. So we've actually got right now I think 
six movies in post. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, it's a little, it's like crazy to even say out loud, honestly. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we just, you know, the pandemic definitely, you know, stopped for a moment. And then once people saw those movies were coming out in the summer, right after, like basically one year ago from right now, we just started production. So we started Revealer, production on Revealer. That was in Illinois. And that started in August of 2020. Then it was The Requin in October. Then it was Old Man in January. We did a little Shelby Oaks stuff in between. We're doing more of Shelby Oaks this year. And then we then we went to Toronto and made Emily Higgins' film, Sorry About the Demon. Yeah, I just the, read about that. Yeah. Congrats yeah. on that. Thank you. That one's, I'm, I mean, I'm excited about all the films. They're all our babies, you know, in different ways. But that's one I had worked with Emily for a while on. And I had promised her we would get a film off the ground. And she did the a cold open, right? In Scare Package. Yeah. 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 So we're, we're both from the Austin area. So that's where we had kind of met. And then we just had such a wonderful time working with her on Scare Package. And was like, look, let's do it again. Let's get the game together. Like we can extrapolate this into to something larger. And it's not a feature based on that segment, but it does star the same lead, John Michael Simpson, who was the lead in that segment and, you know, was the lead in this movie. And yeah, I think I said, what did I say for the, uh, the quote? Something like, it's uh, James Wan by way of John Hughes or something. Oh, so. that's great. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. We have, a, we have a motto of Paper Street of horror with heart. And I think, you know, Pale Door gets very emotional and there's a lot of familial things that are talked about there. Scare Package is just over the top and fun. And, uh, you know, so we're trying to kind of keep that motif going. And Sorry About the Demon very much exemplifies that as well. Has there been any rumblings about a sequel to Scare Package or a return of a collaboration between you and Melora Walters? I mean, well, Melora and I are always talking about what we can find a way to work together because I love she's my muse. We've become good friends. So uh, we haven't made it happen yet with Melora specifically, but there's been there's been talks uh, on a couple fronts and maybe even a project. She's a director as well. Very, very talented director. So, you know, I would love to even produce for her as well. So we'll figure out where that balance is. And, uh, you know, we're uh, we're trying uh, there. We're trying something on the scare package front and we'll see what happens there. I can't, you know, we'll see. We'll I see get it. Happens. That's amazing. That's amazing. Leo, you had a question, man. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, uh, I'd love to see a feature with uh, Melora featuring her art because she's quite the artist, man. I'd love to see a horror movie featuring her artwork. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like something she does, these really, really creepy, like, and very, like in her, the place that she used to have, like up in the hills and had this beautiful view and she would just do these massive paintings. And I just, I could just imagine some psychedelic thing where they come to life, maybe in like a bliss way, you know, like what was done with Bigos's film. I think there's something there that could definitely be played off of. The Boo Crew will be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It is alive. The Loch Ness Horror. Listen to Eric Severide. We have always believed in Nessie. To Reader's Digest, there is something in Loch Ness. To Star Magazine, Scotland's famous creature takes over where Jaws left off. 
The Loch Ness Horror, rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Another thing that's kind of come up over this past year that I've noticed is, has been huge for the horror community as far as creators go is Clubhouse it has kind of become this thing in this past year with a very vibrant horror community. And you've been a huge part of that. How have you found you've embraced Clubhouse? I don't even know how that happened, just to be honest. Like, <laughs> I think somebody gave me an invite. I went on and then people just kept inviting me to rooms and the the app like just pulls you into rooms like automatically <laughs> and then i feel bad and i'm like oh no i wanted to get out of here and then somebody's like oh you should talk i'm like oh, okay fine i'll talk and then you can't escape and you know i just get notifications but it's uh it's been great i mean i've actually fostered a number of, of good relationships out of out of clubhouse in the past year and i think it was during during the pandemic, it was nice too because it's just another way to kind of feel that closeness without necessarily having to be on a Zoom, which I think could be a little bit tiring at times. And Clubhouse is a little more casual, and so I think that played well. But you still get to converse and talk with people, and you know, I think there's uh, there's been a lot of people, especially in the past year, like looking for some inspiration, looking for a connection, looking for a way to kind of make make something in the industry and. You know, so it's I, I will always enjoy talking to folks who are trying to break in or trying to figure out what they need to do. And I think they inspire me as much as I apparently inspire some of them. So I'll take it. And I, I you know, have have loved that. And like Jed, Jed Sharp has become a good friend and we're actually working together on a project and a couple other things and from host, a writer of host. And so. You know, yeah, it's been that's been a weird thing that I did not expect to happen at all. But it's been it's been pretty wonderful. In that spirit, you founded the collective Blood Oath, making scary movies less scary. So tell us a bit about the philosophy behind that and then the team that you got involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate you bringing that up. I'm very proud of Blood Oath. I'm very proud of what what we're doing as a group and the folks we brought together. And that was really I just kept running into people who were, you know, at different phases in their filmmaking careers or even even with a film itself that they were trying to get off the ground. Uh, and they're like, oh, I'm, I did this deal. Why did you do that deal? Like, oh, no. Like, you know, I wish I knew a year ago and I could have helped you with this. Or we're raising this funding and we, we structured our funding this way. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That hurts you because you can't do this or this. And I just kept finding myself wanting to help other people who I just remember, you know, trying to get my first features made and how difficult that was and all the learning, you know, experiences that we had to have. And, and I was like, there's got to be an easier way to do this. And, and I've also figured out the people that you do want to work with and the people you don't want to work with. So I was like, well, is there a way that I can foster good people that I trust that I work with and then put us all under one umbrella so that if someone's trying to get a movie made, no matter where they at, they need cast or they have a finished film and they need distribution or they're looking for a sales agent or they need a budget done. You need to know what they, how they should make it. We have experts in every area to kind of help them do that. And there's no, there's no set system for how blood oath works. Uh, I mean, it's, again, it's literally that the tagline is what it is. It's making scary movies, less scary to make. We're just trying to find a way to take cool genre films and find people who don't know how to get them out there and get them made and get them done. And, you know, we've had a film like the bunker that was a script that we were sent. They had shot most of it, needed some help there. We brought in some more casts. I got them Tobin Bell, um, you know, to kind of come in and play a small part, which was fun. And, 
And now we're working with them at the end and notes and I'm giving them some VFX folks and things that we can kind of help balance that workouts. And we do festivals and stuff for them as well. We just introduce them to people at different festivals. We recommend a festival strategy, whatever, whatever I thought that, and we as a collective, we're all partners in that, but whatever we thought we needed as filmmakers, you know, when we were getting started, we try to offer a service for people to do that. And, you know, we don't, you know, we don't like take money up front and stuff like that. It's, it's not set up that way. You know, it's just set up to tell us what you, what you need to do. We'll figure out a way that it can make sense for all of us and uh, maybe help some folks get some movies made along the way. Right, right. Oh, that's incredible. That's incredible. And that kind of goes in line with something I read about recently that on production of the Alicia Silverstone film that you're working on, the, the shark movie, the record, you actually returned to the school, uh, Full Sail University that you went to and used some of the students and, and sets that were there. Tell us a little bit about that uh, idea. Yeah. I mean, I've been going back to Full Sail for a little while now and just speaking to students and different things. And I'm always so jealous because the facilities that they have now compared to when I was there just night and day. And I'm like, you have so many toys. It's like uh, Nicholson and Batman, you know, like when he's just like, oh, this, you know, anyway, I'm not going to do the quote. I'm not going to do that. That's not my strength. But anyway, uh, I just remember that. I'm like, wow, there's so much cool, cool stuff here. And, you know, so when we were when that film was going on, we were trying to figure out where to shoot that. And we were looking at all these different tropical locations. And I had, in your wonderful intro, you mentioned that I used to intern at Universal in Orlando. And when I did, uh, I made some connections there. And I knew that because of the pandemic, their theme park was closed. So the water park, Volcano Bay, they had to keep running. They had to keep a crew to keep things going. But it wasn't open to the public completely. It ended up opening a little bit later in our shoot. So it was like, well, let's take advantage of that. Let's like shoot at this theme park, you know, and use the water in there, use the wave pool, use all this and find a way to do that. And so kind of pitched this idea and we made that work. And once we were there and then we were able to kind of base camp at Full Sail and use their soundstage that they, they gave me. I hired a bunch of their students and, you know, tried to, you know, up, uplift some folks who were like trying to get on their first movies. And it's like, you know, take some very green folks and pair them with some very experienced folks. And uh, it was a tough shoot. <laughs> I mean, they were thrown into the into the fire a little bit, but I think, you know, it was a great experience. I just, again, I go back to what I would have wanted. And as a film student, that's something that I would have just jumped at. I would have done anything to be on something like that. So I was like, okay, let's, let's do this. And then they were so gracious and, you know, let it lent us, you know, Gary Jones and Rick Ramsey and the folks there that lent us so much stuff to help us get that movie going. We would not have, we would not have finished on the budget that we did and on time that we did without Full Sail's help, for sure. I looked up Full Sail and it's 38 minutes from Disney World, which is incredible. <laughs> I would cool. go there just for that. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Did you go to Disney World when you were there like as a student? often uh not as a student as much as so i like universal a little more so i was i was by i worked there some too so that was part of it and uh so although on this one i wanted to write the harry potter oh uh, yeah train but they wouldn't let us write it when i was there so i was kind of bummed about that um that was just for this past shoot but no yeah i would definitely you know i think when you live in orlando you start to you kind of maybe take for granted all of the different theme parks that are so close by so i won't deny that um, but, uh, yeah, it's all, it's close by to all of that. It's kind of, kind of crazy. With filmmakers taking the do it yourself approach, especially in the horror genre in terms of shooting and editing and not just shorts, but feature lengths as well. 
from your experience, what can an aspiring filmmaker learn from enrolling in such a program at Full Sail that they can't learn from the streets of filmmaking? Well, I mean, I think, I think you can learn anything anywhere if you're willing to do it. I think what Full Sail does is it creates avenues to accelerate that. So I think that, you know, one of the things that I personally really worked out well for me and every experience is different. And I totally get that. But what worked out well for me was that they, you know, you'd have these labs and all these different things that you would do and you could go back and re-audit them over and over again. So you could really develop relationships with some of their instructors and different folks. And, you know, I remember at the time, I'm dating myself here, but they had the Panaflex 35 millimeter camera. And I was like, oh my God, like this is the, this is what Spielberg uses. I got to, you know, so I was obsessed with taking that apart and putting it together. And I would go back and say, hey, can I get some time on this? And they'd be like, yeah, sure. We'll be here. We'll watch you. And I would just take apart, put together the camera over and over and over and over again. And then... Uh, sure enough, it wasn't for that expertise. I remember many years later, or a few years later, actually, I was on the set of Ali, and I was working as like a PA, and then they needed someone to help. Um, they were looking for some camera help. And uh, so part of that second unit team, I was able to, you know, load a little bit in the tents, you know, with the film. I knew how to do that. And had I not had the time to figure out how to do that on set, I, you know, at Full Sail, I never would have had to be able to talk intelligently, but I can do that on set and know that I would be trusted with the footage of the film, you know, to do that. So, um, yeah, so it gives you, I think there were opportunities there where there's just as much hands-on time as you want, you can get. So I've always said you get what you put into it. And if you're, you know, if you want to skate by, you, you might be able to, but the people that are there are going to push you to, to try something hard and get out of your comfort zone. You're going to find your, you know, your group, you're going to find your people. But then you, once you do that, you can really sink your teeth in in a really, really unique way if you're willing to put in that time because it's there and they'll open it up to you. They'll open those doors for you. And again, you know, however many years later, they opened the doors to me again. I came back, saw equipment that I didn't even know fully how it all worked. And they lent it to me and, you know, got to work with new students, see what they're doing. They're still, you know, fostering that for me, you know, 20 years later or whatever it is. I think that's, that's a big part of it about just getting what you put into it back. Right. That's incredible. And what about like uh, wow. the relationship that, that a place like that would have with its alumnus, like, you know, yourself or in this case, you know, Darren Bowsman and Adam Wingard and people like that. When you were there, was that a part of your active curriculum? Would you associate or would you know, alumni come into classes kind of like what you did and either film something there or just talk to the students or anything like that? On a side note, I just got pinged to go in a clubhouse room right now. That's so funny. This. Just letting you know, that's Jed. Jed just pinged me and said, Aaron, you should join this yeah. room. So it's nonstop. <laughs> anyway. um, but uh, yeah, I mean, so my class was actually, I had Evan Katz was in my class and Adam Wingard was in my class as well. And yeah, I mean, Adam was just uh, the dude in the back that was like drawing pentagrams, you know, in the back of class and the, the desk and stuff and everything. But I always remember thinking like he was cool and like he had cool ideas. And he was a little off left of center. And I thought that was really great. And, you know, I, I got along with most of the people in my class. I just I was a little bit of an overachiever. Like I was very like, got to go, got to go, got to do all these things. And I'm probably a little bit of that in an annoying way now, I'm sure to some people. I'm sure there's somebody listening that's like, I was not good friend there. And I was like, okay, fine. I thought I got along with most people. So it is what it is. Um, but uh, they do, you know, you, you kind of, you're just working so many hours. It's kind of like a film set in that they try to, they call it real world education because you're, you're working so many hours, you're doing so much stuff together. 
that it becomes, you just get immersed into this world. When you're on a film set, it's the same thing. Like you leave, we just left Salt Lake, Salt Lake City for another movie and you get close with these people over like a short period of time and then they become this little family and you stay in contact forever. And, you know, that's one of the beautiful things about making movies, but it happens also in film school and it definitely happens at Full Sail. So, but when I went there, the only person who had graduated who I had really heard of in film, there were tons in other areas, was Darren Lynn Bowsman. And he had just directed, I think, I think at the time it was around Saw 2, Saw 2 was coming out in that, that range. And I was like, what? Somebody's directing, the Saw director went to the school. And I remember watching his short film was called something like Butterfly Dreams or something, whatever his student film was. And I was like analyzing his student film. He probably doesn't even know this at this point, but like I really was like into it. And, you know, because it's like, what did he do? You know, how is this possible? Like, how can I mimic this? How can I do these things? And, you know, you quickly learn that everybody's path is completely different. And there is no path to figure out what happens. Uh, you know, I wonder if I should have followed Adam to Alabama and slept on the couch with him and Evan and made, you know, pop skull and stuff for no money. I don't know. Maybe that would have helped more or not. But um, it's it remains to be seen. But no, you know, you form. And then I have right now at Paper Street, you know, uh, one of my, my my oldest friend, Sean Talley, he's a partner. Him and I went to Full Sail together. Um, so he was there at the same time. And then I met Cameron Burns, who's my co-creator, co-creator of uh, Scare Package. Um, who's probably loudly talking in the background at some point during this podcast because uh, we're, we're making, you know, we're here making a movie in Oklahoma City. But uh, he also went to Full Sail. We met after, um, well, we did actually meet at Full Sail. We didn't really know each other at the time, but it definitely kind of brought, there were some similarities of like, you know, you kind of, like the alumni gets together and we talk, like Will Clevenger and I, you know, he worked on Cutthroat City and worked with uh, Stephen C. Miller and you know, so other full sub people. So like we all kind of know who each other are and we kind of help each other out a little bit, you know, and kind of help each other up in different ways. And that's fun. You know, forms a little alumni group. It's nice to do. As filmmakers, it can be lonely sometimes, you know, and you get out there and you kind of have to find this, especially when you're like directing, I think it becomes so singular in certain aspects of that. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I cherish those relationships and like, I love going to film festivals and Cause I'll go back there and that's where we, that's where we finally all get to come together, you know, and so many friends will be in one place at one time, like a fantastic fest, you know, upcoming in Austin, I'm going to be there and all my friends are going to be there and I cannot wait, you know, and what's there. And, you know, these are, cause you kind of, you go off your separate ways in a lot of, uh, in a lot of times and, and a lot of those full self folks, that's what's happened, but you know, it's fun to remain in contact and, you know, and, and encourage each other and try and, find ways to help each other out the best we can. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. All right, man. Well, we'll let you get back to magical movie making again. Thank you so much for your time yes. today. We really appreciate it as always, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank pleasures. You. Pleasures all mine. And you should go visit Disney world and then go to full sail and they'll probably be shooting something. I'm sure that can still happen. Sure <laughs> <laughs> and they go to horror nights. <laughs> we'll yeah. do horror nights right. here. And then we'll do the one in Orlando, which we've always wanted to do. Yeah. We haven't done that one yet. I'm so excited. I hear it's I even bigger. Wait. I know. All right, my man. Thanks again for your time. We'll see you on clubhouse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah maybe <laughs> soon. Dear God. That was the boot crew podcast. Episode two fifty six. Special thanks to our guest, Aaron B. Koontz. Follow him at Aaron B. Koontz on Instagram. That's Aaron with two A's and check out scare pack the pale door and all of the projects he's involved with anywhere you can production tracks for this episode provided by powerman 5000 
Until next time, it is the Boo Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the bloody disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network. Home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews. SCP archives. Weekly full cast storytelling. Horror queers. Genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective. And creepy. For disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.